Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Jay and Tim. What's up, gentlemen? Hi. Hello, hello, hello. We are fresh off the CantoBite Cup in the vicinity of Syracuse, New York. Yep. Uh, That was last weekend, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Jay went to that. That's me. I'm Jay. Yep. (laughs) Tim's got some stats. Yep. I had to to do something productive. (laughs) Uh, We're also going to talk about how we we sort of unintentionally kicked off a how to counter stuff series with our how to counter droids after LVO. And after this tournament, we're going to do how to counter Republic and more specifically uh, Yoda and Wookiees. (laughs) So sorry, John. Uh, (laughs) You'll get to say your thing next week. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah next week we'll have an exclusive interview with the winner yeah of canto bite um, so just basically wh- whatever position john gets at any tournament he's going to be our exclusive interview yeah, yeah, yeah. from now right. on yeah. right <laughs> all right uh you got any housekeeping first jay yeah normal the normal stuff i'll do it real quick Stormtide. if you haven't joined if you join now this month you still have a chance we haven't shipped it out yet uh you could get in on box seven and that you could start fresh you don't have to go all the way back to box one you could do that um or if you want to go back to box one we're selling quarter one and quarter two now you can buy those catch up and then play box seven really excited about this tons uh for those of you watching on youtube you are this is the stack of cards plus like five more that you're going to be getting in this box plus six minis plus two posters plus a booklet like i'm throwing everything into this box to kickstart everybody there's you're going to have operative skill trees you're going to have commander skill trees um we've got some crazy missions that john and i came up with you know from from box one till now we've kind of slowly been bringing people into this you know getting them ready for these crazy missions and now finally we're doing the crazy missions and also um you know i'll i'll give an exclusive here uh what we're going to start doing with box seven is we have a map of the world that we're on now. And you and your opponent have to roll a die to see what zone of the map you're on. And depending on what zone, you have to go to the website and see who controls that zone. So all those forms that everybody's been filling out are gonna matter now. So you're gonna see if you if your ship, the hurricane or the inferno control that zone, you're gonna get some special bonuses uh, when you're fighting in that zone. Um, so there's just a lot of insane stuff and really cool stuff we're doing. So I'm really excited about box seven. So get in on that. Also, we have uh, our sidebars and order tokens and mats in stock. I'm going to be restocking sidebars. The red and blue ones sold out again. Uh, thank you to everybody for that. And so we're going to restock those and then come see us at Adepticon. We'll be at Adepticon. Uh, we're sponsoring all the Legion events. We're really excited. We're going to have Stormtide there to demo. Um, we're going to have mats. We're going to have, you know, to show you guys to order. We're going to have sidebars and order. To- we're going to have everything. So come see us at Adepticon. Even if you don't buy anything, just come say hi and hang out. Like, I, I love seeing everybody and saying hi. It's it's one of my favorite things. So, yeah. So that's it. Oh, and, and go to thefifthtrooper.com and read the blog. All the blog writers are doing amazing work. You know, they've, they've been doing great. So please check that out. We just did, uh, you could see the top, what did he do? Top six, did Evan five. do? Five, top five, sorry. Evan just did the top five uh, from Canto. So you can go see that. And uh, he wrote some haikus uh, for me and Evan uh, yeah. on there. So that's great. Um, so you can go read that. Cause I said, I thought he was going to do a top eight. And I was like, hey, Evan, uh, the boss, thinks you should do a top nine because I got ninth <laughs> place at Canto uh, and he decided to do a top five and then write a haiku about it. So that's fine. <laughs> so go check that out. Um, and, uh, and all the other great writing that everybody's been doing. Um, I honestly, no offense, Kyle, but I think this is the best the blog has ever been with all the writers that we have on it. And, and I mean, Kyle still writes for us, but before it's just basically Kyle. Um, and, and so, and then me writing some random ass like blog about flying or something to Las Vegas. Cooking. It's, 
yeah or cooking yeah that was, that was actually a really good article oh thanks yeah <laughs> um you know so i'm glad we've got like some real writers outside of kyle now writing for us and putting out great you guys have been doing a great job tim you've been doing a great job so you know i'm really Woo-hoo. excited about that so yeah so i mean a, a bunch of very different writing styles too yeah, yeah. very much so <laughs> wait until you see evan's other article that he's got coming out this week <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> yeah um, it's uh it's something. <laughs> oh, and you know, we announced, was it last week we announced uh, uh, that John is our new lead developer for Stormtide? Well, yep. Evan uh, and Alice, are two, two of our blog staff, are actually writing for Stormtide now. So that's really exciting, too. And they're, they're just doing some great work. You guys are all doing great work. So, yeah. So go, go read the blog, you know, and, and tell those, tell those uh, people how, how great they're doing. And support the Patreon if you if you yeah. like all that good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump right in. How was Canto Bite Cup, Jay? Yeah. So uh, you know, I was telling you guys be- before we started, um, it was amazing. I-, I haven't been to a full big tournament since uh, the 2020 LVO, right before COVID hit. So it was amazing seeing everybody um, that I haven't seen in a long time and. It was just so much fun. And the, you know, I, I'll be honest, I told these guys, we did a fifth trooper podcast interview with the Canto guys. And I told them on there that I had my doubts on how the tournament was going to go based on their early uh, questions and posts. And they did a great job. Uh, they really did. They rose to the occasion. I think they really listened to everybody on the discord, um, you know, cause Dave from, from the, the group there was, asking questions about terrain and like showing the train and everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, dude, don't do that, man. Here's how you got to do it. And they really took that stuff to heart. And, and I have to say, you know, there was some pictures on discord that showed some of the quote unquote bad tables, but I would say they had like almost 60% of the tables were really good and tournament ready. 30% weren't, but that happens when you have like 25 to 30 tables. And on top of it, they were very proactive about making updates and like, fixing tables like if players said oh hey man like this is crazy there's no line of sight they were really cool about trying to fix that and 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 make it right um which was amazing you know and i think what happens sometimes and they would agree is is that there's a couple guys that really knew kind of new legion and then they just had a they had a huge staff uh which was great that was helping out and they set up the tables not everybody was really legion like in-depth legion knowledgeable so you know it happens right when you're trying to run a big event that stuff happens but other than that they did an amazing job the prize support was wicked cool and amazing um they ran a great tournament and uh you know they're good people and and i had a blast so it, it was a ton of fun i was getting some fomo following the all the uh <laughs> updates over the weekend yeah um, uh, yeah, I mean, the tournament was great. And then I know, you know, from our cast last week, uh, I did not bring double heavy, even though when I saw some of the the more sparse tables, I seriously considered swapping my list last minute. I didn't. For all of you listening, I'm a man of my word. Um, and I took Leia, OP, Luke, and, and Sabine with vets uh, in the MKs and then three sniper teams. And I went four and two. And, you know, even the two that I lost, I felt very much in those games and they definitely came down to the last couple activations. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, all my empire brothers, but I, I am a, I'm a rebel now. Um, (laughs) Like I am, we gotta, we gotta soundbite that. Yeah. Like soundbite that and record it. You can call me callous because I am, I am switching sides. (laughs) I am in love and his name is Luke. (laughs) Uh, Oh my God. Luke and Sabine. I love them. I love them. And I loved the combination. I love how they played. Um, I actually did a little bit of an update after the weekend to the list I'm playing and I'm going to play it for a while. I'm just, I really love it. And I, I, you know, I went up against the Yoda Padme saber tank. I went up against Wookiees and Tauntauns. I went up, against uh evans evan played the lat with the vader bomb like like i went up against a bunch of stuff and i felt very confident in every game um and so i've 
man, I'm I'm in love with it. So I'm just gonna stick with it for a while and play it and and uh, see where it takes me. I'm gonna start calling you Fulcrum. <laughs> Jay Fulcrum Shalansky. <laughs> yeah. Somebody in the in the Discord competitive uh, said that like Luke and Sabine were basically like heavy. So did I really like change anything? You know, so yeah, but it that aside, I um yeah, I'm gonna try this for a while. And, and I'll tell you guys why, like <clears throat> I learned so much from having to, to having to play a white saves on most of my on most of my army, and then B not relying on two like you know almost height two uh atsts like standing over the battlefield right against my opponents and so there's just a lot of lessons learned a lot of like it's a completely different play style um than what i was used to and i just i think for me personally this is my path forward to becoming better at legion and becoming a better legion player and and for you guys a better podcast host right because i'll i'll be better at the game so i'll be able to give better advice um and so I really think that that's, this is my way forward. I'm, I am converted to the, to the rebellion for sure, for at least for a little while. I have a feeling it's going to be like Kyle, cause somebody, um, there's this guy, Rich, he brought that, that, uh, Callus or yeah, not, no, not Callus. Um, the AAT Kalani AAT yeah, double spider, double, double spider. Yeah. Yeah. List that I had mentioned, he brought a variation of that and was, and it was like, his first tournament and he was just he barely knew the rules and he was just like stomping people's heads in and i was just like well maybe i'll play that list like i think i was on to something you know and so i um i don't know so i'm gonna play rebels for a while but if the mood strikes me i may swap over to that list and try that for a while too i think it's just i would encourage anyone if you have the means or if you want to play on tts um try swapping lists and just playing something different. I, I, it's, I have never done it outside the empire. I vote, you know, it's been a long time since I've played rebels. Um, and I'm glad I did. I, I learned so much and I'm going to be better for it. I think overall. So. Swapping factions is one of the most, one of the best ways to both get better at the game, but also just have a lot of fun as was mm -hmm. discussed last week. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, don't turn into me, Jay, and start randomizing your faction every tournament. <laughs> I, I was actually, I was joking with somebody at the tournament about that. I'm like, I think I'm just going to end up being Kyle and every tournament I'm just going to come with something new because it's too much fun. I, I get why you do it, right? Like it's, there's, I mean, we're, and we're in this crazy wild west where not, there is no meta. Like really, I mean, maybe Wookiees, but maybe not. Maybe some of the CIS stuff is a little meta-y, but really, if you look at every tournament that we've been covering that, John, that Bushman's gone to, right? Like everything's been different. Like the top lists have all been very different. So um, I'm really excited about this time in Legion and seeing all this crazy stuff on, on the tables. Evan is determined to make Vader lat work. Um, and so he's getting really good at it and it's getting really scary. Uh, so, uh, you know, we had to play at the tournament. I actually played him Friday in a prep game before the tournament and he won. And then we played at the tournament and I won. And so it was, we've got our own little rivalry going. That was probably the most heated saltiest game I had was against Evan because even though we're like really close and friends we're both hyper competitive and so we're just playing like Mike for, Mike and like some of the guys like we're coming over and talking we're just like no 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 Vader's Vader's about to exit this lat don't talk to me right now <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's funny that same round I was looking at the parents and I saw you and Evan. And then I think that's also the same round that Luke and Chris played each other. Luke yeah. Kirk yep. Chris Cook. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is a great round. There was somebody. Oh, uh, two of the guys, the, uh, from Long Island from the skull squadron guys that came up together, they had to play, like, it was all the like friends, family battles that round it seems. So, uh, which was fun. You know, that is, that's just fun when that stuff happens because it was nice that none of that happened round one. You know, yeah. like everybody got, and then it wasn't until round three of the first day that we all got paired up, which was, which is, I think a fitting end for, you know, the first day. So it was, it was cool. 
Yeah, I drew Bushman first round at Lone Star Open. Uh, and uh, we were both like, uh, yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Well, it's like that, like you always want, I think all of us, right? Like you don't want your sweaty game to be your first game. You always want it to be like your third, <laughs> right? Or, or if it ever comes, but, you know, hopefully later in the day. Um, but yeah, I'd say the other thing too, you know, I've heard you guys who have been going to tournaments talking about the, the three three game days versus you know doing more i am fully supporting three game days it is so much easier and like i mean i was home by seven like you know 7 30 and like i didn't stay at the hotel because i just lived down the road but like you know it was like i was home and like i could see the wife and kids went to bed had a nice night and then came back the next day and it was I was home for dinner. Like, you know what I mean? It was, so it was really nice. And I, and I think that's, and they had a full hour break. Like no one was running over. No, there was no, like, it was a full hour. So like we had lunch with everybody. I got to see everybody. We got to talk. Like it felt really good and we got it all in and we, and we got our six and oh, you know, like, so I thought it was, I thought it was really smart to do that. I thought it was really funny that we spent, a significant amount of time with John last week talking about yeah. the possibility that someone could be undefeated. Someone could be five and zero, yeah. be the only undefeated player after five rounds, and yeah. then still have to play another round against the pair down. And then that happened to John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Chris, the TO, uh, he's really funny. Like after when John was five and zero going into round six, he goes, "You gotta win this one, man. You can't make me look bad." Like this was the thing everybody said was gonna happen. <laughs> I, I mean, to reiterate, I think it also a lesson for TOs is you, if, uh, if you are going to ever get to a point where you have a possibility, try to get a cut. So especially if you have two, yeah. a two day tournament, do a cut of some kind, just so you have a round number and that's all going to work out easily. And that's easier yeah. on you. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, I think it's tough, right? Cause originally they thought they were going to have 64 and this, that would have made way more sense, but I mean, dude, it was crazy. So it got dropped on the 50. One guy had like a family emergency while he was on the way to the tournament, had to turn around and go home. Another guy, like his hotel got condemned the night before and he had to go to a different hotel. And then that hotel didn't like shovel and he slipped and fell on the ice and had to go to the emergency room. Like it was like the most insane thing. Like, so then we dropped down to like 47 or 48 or 47, like first thing, it was crazy. Um, but you know, they did a great job and I, I take back all my doubts, everyone. They, the guys at Canto did an amazing job and ran a, ran a great, great tournament and were really open and, and like on their feet with all the changes and all and adapting to everything. So they, they did wonderful. Awesome. And, and I'll be taking my check, guys. For t- no, just... Oh, yeah, your sponsorship. Yeah, that uh, was a paid advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, tune in when I tell you what I really think. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Podcast land, that was a joke. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm, I'm impressed that they were able to get so many people to come up to upstate New York yeah. in February. <laughs> oh i didn't even tell you this really quick sorry we're literally getting ready for round one okay everybody's phones start honking and going off because we had an insane like uh i don't know snow squall emergency because the winds were getting up to like 60 or 70 miles per hour and the snow was coming in. And I mean, Tim, you know where you're from. Like, <laughs> I, I was going to say. <laughs> I honestly have never had that emergency alert come up and we get snow all the time. And so like we all look at our phones before round one and I was like, yeah, welcome to New York in February. Like this is crazy. Uh, but yeah, I was really surprised we got that many people too. Like a lot of people from out of town, like uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Ohio. There's a bunch of people from Ohio, a bunch of people from Jersey. Like people drove in for this one. So it was really cool. I had a great time. I, I once got pulled off the ice in the middle of a game. The refs blew the whistle because there was a tornado coming for us. 
We were playing hockey, playing whatever. Russ blew the whistle. Everyone's like, what? It's like, okay, everybody into the dressing rooms. We got to hunker down. <laughs> That's what I felt like. I was like, what is going on? And the one guy that I was playing next to, he goes, Jay, should we be worried? I go, probably. I've never seen this before. Like this, I go, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, uh- 60 mile an hour wins that it might just you might just end up being there for two days for two days legion instead of uh, going anywhere else yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no, no going back to your hotel just yeah, you know everybody everybody sleeps in the, <laughs> oh, in the this is where you hall. live now yeah yep. <laughs> just like tim who's currently snowed in i literally cannot make it to a main road <laughs> <laughs> i mean with our trucks we could but in my uh my car i cannot make it to the city right now <laughs> perfect yeah um i do have a stats sheet pulled up the first thing i want to know is who won the the sniper strike team oh yes i mean it out of all the stats i kept there was only one that was sort of a little bit out of place but it was the because last week there was a a, seemed to be a bet about how many strike lists with strike teams there would be yeah i very Uh, confidently said two (laughs) two (laughs) two players would have strike teams John and Kyle both laughed at me and then gave their actual numbers. Yes, yeah. and then I, I said 17, yeah. and then John was smart to wait until last because he's like, well, this is like the price is right, basically. <laughs> yeah. you know, now I have oh. a benchmark. I think I can either go over 17 or under, and then he said 16. Although so. if, if by price of rights rules, he picked a very, like, the one number that is either correct or not correct. Anyway, um, <laughs> so in the whole tournament, there were 25 strike teams. That's not lists. That's just total strike teams. Yeah, yeah. One of those was Sabs. The number we're actually looking for, there were 16 lists with strike teams. <laughs> <laughs> so Bushman won uh, not only the tournament, but the prop bet. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Bushman will be doing our opening next week. Yeah, there you go. Congratulations, John. You've yep. won the opening for next week. <laughs> yeah, the exact number, 16 strike teams. That's impressive. I think he literally came over and told me after, like, at, before the second game, he's like, 16 baby and then just like ran off to his game <laughs> i'm gonna take partial credit for benchmarking him at 17 before yeah. he went under so yeah, yeah um of the i tracked 50 lists in total and they all had records so i don't know how that translated to players because you mentioned there were 50 players to drop down a bit but yeah. I, I on my sheet anyway i had 50 lists with records so um so that's 32 percent of lists had strike teams in them which is a thing that exists mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems like i mean that seems both healthy and also kind of low to me um yeah i mean the the other interesting thing so i i split my data into the all 50 lists and then the uh list that went uh uh x and one or higher so i.e the top five um and then i split it to, into the top 32 which was the three and three and better so the f- people who went 50 percent are better um, so of those, the top five, no strike teams at all. And then the top 32, there were seven less of strike teams, which translates to 21 or 22%, sorry. So not only was the sort of the total strike team seems to be low, but the like of the list that sort of won games uh, or like sort of did decent, um, that list was, e- that number was even lower. So sort of indicative of what we've been seeing probably of the overall thing. There's a lot of good special forces and, uh, Civil War, sorry, Galactic, no, Clone War factions, their snipers are meh. <laughs> yeah. They're fine. Uh, yeah. Um, faction breakdown, uh, 24% Gar, 22% CIS, 36% Rebel, and 18% Imperial. So it kind of tracks with what the other stuff we've been seeing. Well, LVO was, was uh, much more heavy droids than Rebels. But um, not not in, like I mean this is fairly balanced, right? Yeah. Um, which is sort of what LVO was. It was like CIS was higher, but not crazily higher. Uh, top five was one Gar, two CIS, one Rebel, one, one Imperial, which is about as balanced as you can ask. Yeah, for for five, that's literally that's <laughs> literally you the gotta have balanced. two of somebody. So <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the faction breakdown for the top thirty, you pretty much tracked with the list that came in off by a few percent but basically whatever came in sort of did that well um what else do you want to see um do you want to take a stab at what the average bid was 
I'm already looking at the spreadsheet. Oh, okay. so. Six. <laughs> okay, Jay guesses six. Uh, the average bid for the whole tournament was uh, 3.75, 3.74. Um, and that only increased as you go higher in the rankings. Um, the top five had a bid. Sorry, that's I'm looking at the wrong. I'm looking at the, my, my own organization is screwing me up. Top five for bids was 5.2, so a bit higher. And then top 32 was 3.6, so about the same as what came in. Mm. And activation count, um, we had 9.4 to start. And basically at all stratospheres, it was about 9.4. So, and that's kind of all that kind of tracks with LVO for the most part. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I Yeah, because when I, I was playing, uh, I don't know, I said six, I just threw that out, but like, most of the players I played had 800 points. I think only a couple beat me at bid. And then we, I, we basically rolled off on the other ones because I had 800 and there's a lot of ties there. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't do a median average, um, but just sort of subjectively, I was seeing sort of a fair number of bit lists that were bidding into like the eight to 10 range. And then a lot of lists that were bidding like zero or one. Mm. I didn't see a lot in that mid range. So uh, I probably should have done a median average as well to just maybe see what that looked like. But uh, it'd be nice to get like a bar chart. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I I did this data as yeah, yeah, I know. easily. Well, easily. I, I now have a system. So hopefully if, if when I do this in the future, I'll probably be able to do a little bit better. Do uh, you have how many lists brought Wookiees? I don't have that because I didn't feel like counting individual units because I got tired. But I do have lists with melee. I right. put melee in quotations. And what that means, so that was very subjective, but basically it meant you had two melee units, give or take, not including force users because force users were their own separate category. So basically melee units was basically all either Wookiees or Bang the Guards for the most part. Um, I think uh, one of those lists had Tauntauns and Wookiees. So of course that's a melee list. But so lists of melee, total tournament is 20, so 40%. Yep. Uh, top five was three, so 60%. And then the top 32 was 18, which is 56.25%. So um, the melee list did better than average, um, which is, I think, what we've <laughs> come to understand. Been observing, last... yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, well, sorry, go. Well, I was going to interrupt you because I want to talk about the bids real quick. Okay. Because um, this is an increase from LVO. By uh, average of one, yeah. LVO was like two and a half, wasn't it? Two, yeah. So we're the average on the whole tournament was two, three point seven five, so about one point average increase. Yeah, and then um, uh, the biggest difference was in the the, t- the upper lists because LVO had four of the top six lists were no bid, eight hundred points, um, and these these ones the, the the top five lists had bigger bids. Um, I did notice though too. I think we talked about like. How it's kind of a mistake, I think, to just be going 800 points if you don't have a plan for 800 points. Um, and you definitely, I think, saw more people making those risk mitigation choices with their unit selection and their list styles rather than with the bid. Um, I mean, you look at you look at John's list, right? We can talk about this next week with John. Um, but he has, as we described last week, a W key list, right? It's very much like. I don't care what the objective cards are. I'm going to murder you <laughs> with Yoda and uh, an avalanche of Wookiees. Um, and he said he was red player six out of six times in this tournament. So um, that definitely speaks to that style of like battle cards. Eh, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't score if your units have no arms. <laughs> yeah. um, so. I, I just took a quick look to, so there's only four lists that have double digit bids. Uh, 10 10 12 and 13 um so and then a lot in the like seven to nine range just sort of subjectively looking at it so um just yeah like a a huge bid these days like if you're hitting double digits is like pretty much a a huge bid at this point in time yeah i um so i'll here's my take on the bids so just from this tournament, playing another list when my lessons learned that I was talking about earlier, I went in with 800. Um, it was just how I built the thing. And I was like, let's see how this goes. Um, I was read four out of six times. And I have to say, um, 
I am retooling my list to have a bid because I would prefer to have the choice. So what's happening is I found, especially at this tournament where there were some questionable tables that I for sure played on, even though they tried to change them as fast as they could, there were still questionable tables that were bad for me. Right. And uh, I, I got red in those scenarios because my opponents wanted their deck more than they wanted the table side. But if I hadn't, I would have been in real trouble. Um, you know, my first game that I lost was terrible for me from a table perspective, and it was an uphill battle the whole game because of that. And so with that lesson learned, I was like, I need a bid just so I can choose. So I could say, no, I'm going to be red or no. Yeah, I want blue. I don't care what side I take because I want my deck in this case, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely building in a bid um, just to be able to, to have a choice. Well, and for me too, like I used to incorporate like 20 points into my bid. So like in my list building right now, if I can drop an upgrade or two to give you a two, three, four point bid, I think that's very much worth it. Like in my LVO list, I could have had a recon Intel or a two point bid and I decided to take a two point bid. So I think a lot, like um, we've seen a very recently, a lot of those decisions of, do I take this one last upgrade or the bid? A lot more people have been veering towards that but one last upgrade, but I still think that that little bit of bid is pretty important still. Yeah. Yep. Give yourself the flex to punt your deck and then still take a bid so you can choose. Yep. Uh, what other stats do you want to hear about? I'm starting to run out. <laughs> Whoopsies. But you don't uh, have that. Yeah. How well, convenient. Well, yeah, what was the, uh, what was the faction breakdown? Do you have that? We did that already. Uh, oh, yep. sorry, did I miss that? <laughs> did you do the top top half faction breakdown? I did. Yeah. Um. So it was okay. basically the same as the. He's been talking uh, really fast. It's hard to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, ha- I, ha- I have a spreadsheet in front of me. It's exciting. Um. I didn't actually say the numbers though. So the top thirty-two, oh. eight Gar, seven CIS, eleven Rebel, and six Imperial. But that basically just tracks with the numbers that came into the tournament. Um. More or less. Yeah. That's almost. Oh, like uh, perfectly, actually. Uh, they're all on a percentage within, basis. All within one point six two percent of their original starting number. Yep. Which basically correlates to just like how the fractions have to break down. <laughs> yep. Um, we did see versus LVO, we saw a decrease in force users. Um, overall, uh, we see we saw nineteen force users in total. Uh, two made the top five. Eleven made uh top thirty two. There's only one list with two force users in it. So 18 lists brought force users, which was only 36%, which compared to like the 60%-ish at LVO is a bit of a drop-off. Um, and then heavies saw a much higher prevalence in this tournament versus LVO. Uh, 54% of lists had heavies um, start of day one, uh, which correlates to 37 total heavies. So not all the heavy lists had were double heavy. Um, it's like 1.5 heavies per uh, list that had them. Um, three heavies made the top five. Three lists with heavies, sorry. Which I think was a bus, yep. an AAT, and something. Yep. Um, and then 16 lists uh, made the top 32 with heavies. So 50% exactly. So the heavy list basically did about as well as you'd expect. Like 54% started, 60% of the top uh five were heavies and then 50 percent of the top 32 were heavies now i will say something that probably skewed that number was at this tournament one of the top prizes was they called rolling thunder so they had whoever had the most uh i think it was heavies or most uh vehicles uh you got a got a prize for getting what the highest rank with the with the most vehicles yeah, like subjectively, like there was sort of like that prize. There was also the Highlander prize. Yep. Um, those two. Did You're welcome, <laughs> world. <laughs> so those two prizes did skew the list a little bit. There was like uh, definitely a handful of lists that were very obviously trying to fit into those formats. But I don't think it uh, skewed the data drastically uh, one way or the other. Um, so that's but that's all just subjective. I have from- to say. That was probably one of the more exciting things for me at the tournament was that uh, Evan and I did that Highlander thing. And then I did the the article and now there's tournaments 
giving awards for best Highlander list and people coming up to me, showing me their Highlander list going Highlander, just yelling Highlander throughout the tournament. So, I, I mean, it does make interesting lists as I was going through them. I'm like, what is this? And then I go, Oh, it's a Highlander list. <laughs> yeah. Shift the brain a little bit. Okay. Now let's look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I only got one more stat, I think, of the stuff I kept track of. That was list with a, quote, gun line. Um, this is kind of similar to Melee, where it's not really it's more subjective. But basically, I was like three to four units, at least, that were sort of gun line units. Um, I also incorporated, like, uh, dwarf spiders into that gun line because it didn't really fit into any other yep. um, thing. But anyway, so uh, 33 lists that started uh, had a gun line, which was 66%, um, which they're kind of everywhere because it wasn't very hard to meet that bar of a gun line. Uh, three lists in the top five had a gun line and then 19 in the top 32. So just under 60%. So in the, out of all this data, there's not too many things that were like drastically different than their starting percentages or anything. Um, so I don't think there was any huge takeaways you could say um, from this data uh, in terms of like one thing breaking through into the meta or anything. Anyway, <laughs> I think I think the biggest like sort of percentage differential that I see is just the one that you already talked about, which is just list with melee. Yeah, um, where the representation was higher. Uh, you had twenty lists with quote melee, which is you know at least two of those melee units that are not force users, and then eighteen of those lists were top fifty percent. So um, that's a pretty significant conversion rate if if you're using a. Uh, yeah. You yeah, know, basically only two of the 20, uh, you know, quote unquote melee lists didn't make the top half of the standings. Um, but yeah, other than that, most of the standings track pretty closely or most of the stats track pretty closely with their starting numbers. Yeah. I mean, and like, I think that was something we've known, right? Um, yeah. There, there's not anything here that's breaking with our idea of how the game is right now. So. Yeah, we're in we're in a go after your opponent meta <laughs> right now. <laughs> yep. And I mean a lot of the heavies were um land speeders, um well land speeders, air speeders, and buses. Yeah. But quite a few land speeders, like uh, probably one of the highest percentage of land. I should have kept track of land speeders because it was but by the time I got through the list, I was like, that is a lot of land speeders. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um I also think like some of those land speeder lists were doing the Highlander thing where they were doing like a bus and a land speeder or an air speeder land speeder because those three heavies kind of kind of work together pretty well. So in, if someone wanted to do a, like a double heavy Highlander list, they often were trying to fit those three in there somehow. Yeah. It's good. To, a lot of Han too. Uh, Han yep. was a uh, man. I played three Han lists against three Han lists. I, for, I just it. forgot about Han. Like in his cards, God, his cards are so good. Yeah. Why don't we transition? Use this opportunity to transition to our second topic real quickly, which is countering Republic. Yeah, smooth. Han, Han's Han? a good counter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 talk about why. Um, right. Because uh, not only does Republic tend to have a lot of red saves in it. Um, even if you're running like a wiki skew, you still have at least 12 models with red saves in it that are not Pierce immune, right? Because you got to take three core units. Yep. Um, and clearly Han is good against red saves. Yep. But um, change of plans really messes with Yoda. Really? <laughs> I mean, it messes. I It messes with all four It messes with a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Yoda in particular, because the whole, for those of you who don't know, the whole progression for Yoda is all on his command cards and when he plays them and how he plays them. And so when you have a card that's a, nah, you're not going to play that. You have to pick something else. It can really throw a damper in what that player is trying to do. Um, I do think, like, especially if you have Chewie's, like Notorious Scoundrels, the three pip, I think the ideal use of St. Japan's is often like a turn two. Once they sort of set the progression, what they want to do, you then break it up on that second turn so that they're forced to uh, change their well, change their plans a little bit. But then also one of the important things to keep in mind is like often Yoda has burst of speed and wants to use burst of speed on his two pip, followed by playing his one pip. 
so that he can keep his speed up because then he just goes to speed uh, two instead of being immobilized. Um, so if you can sort of just keep change of plans in your hand for when Yoda would want to do that, he's kind of forced to never play burst of speed, which is a really good uh, anti-Yoda tactic. <laughs> yeah, make, so potentially if you do have Chewie, you get two uses of it. Um, if you play the if you play it the first time before he has used burst, uh, make sure you cycle it so that you can get it back for after he uses burst. Yeah, and then yeah, as soon as you see if if when Yoda ever has an immobilized token, that's and he has his one pip in his hand, that's when you want a change of plans, especially. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one one counter to that counter is uh, <laughs> Chewie himself, Republic <laughs> Chewie. Yeah. Um, because you know that's that's another way for Chewie to get around the immobilized token thing. Uh, so if um, if your one pip gets change of plans, then you can play the Chewie Yoda card, where Chewie just throws Yoda on his back, and then you know the immobilized token doesn't matter. So yeah. the um, uh, that card, I've always said it's it's sort of the break glass option for Yoda. Yep. Um, right. If you're running Yoda Chewbacca, you probably never play that card until it's an emergency. Um, and then you play it, and it's one of the best cards you can play because it um, can get Yoda out of a situation, can keep him from dying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Chewie with searching red saves is like, <laughs> you just don't even bother. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a saber tank. <laughs> yeah, nine wounds, searching red saves. Um, <laughs> and he's got Guardian for Yoda, so like... And, and he can use Deflect. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're just you're just basically like dumping nine health on top of Yoda's attack, uh, defense. Sorry, wound total for yeah. a turn. Yeah. Um, I like Bushman brought Yoda and Chewie, and I think like that combination is not cool. Like, I mean, it's starting to see the light of day. You won a tournament, but it's a very good combination. Yep, Tim, you got to turn your Discord notifications off, man. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, turn I your did. volume down, man. We're gonna get yelled at again. I didn't all, realize. I thought I fixed that problem. No, all the commenters <laughs> are gonna come through being like, "Oh, I thought it was my Discord." <laughs> well, I thought I fixed that. Oh well. <laughs> You're the worst. Um, You're fired. All right. <laughs> let's let's talk about some other attributes of Republic that can potentially be countered. Um, okay. So they do tend to rely on dodge tokens. Yep. Guess what? Uh, Guess what gets past that? High velocity. High velocity. Yep. I learned that this weekend. Guess who doesn't <laughs> yeah. care about dodge tokens is snipers. Yep. Snipers also have pierce, which is good against those red saves. Yep. I actually there was somebody, uh, I was I forgot who it was. I was playing somebody and they were they were playing um uh one of the galactic, you know, the the new the clone wars era, and they were like, wait, what? what do they have i'm like yeah high velocity it ignores dodges and they're like and they have pierce i'm like yeah and they surge on hit i go yeah and they're like those guys are broken it's like do you know they used to have infinite range now it's only range five yeah <laughs> they were like what it's like yeah man <laughs> i mean to be fair their dice is a lot worse yeah you know you're talking like bx snipers have double surging red dice <laughs> that is significantly better yeah i was rolling pretty hot at the time though so so it seemed like that they were better so (laughs) but yeah high velocity a big deal against republic uh almost every like halfway decent republic list i can think of involves stacking dash tokens in some way you know yoda stacks dodges with his cards and with atara mastery um anakin padme lists stack dodges with their exemplar token sharing uh, even clone centered lists where you're just bringing like a bunch of clones with Rex or clone commanders do a lot of dodge token sharing because yeah. you know, the what's the primary weakness of a dodge token um, that you're, if you, if it's like a normal, like if a stormtrooper just takes a dodge, then your opponent shoots something else, right? It's not like an aim token where it's guaranteed to be useless, but Republic has so many ways to share those dodges between clone token sharing and exemplar and like Yoda's three pip that it basically gives any eligible target a dodge token and suddenly they're amazing. So um, if you can bypass those with high velocity, pretty good. 
or criticals criticals do it too depending Some, on the sometimes unit, on the depends unit, on the yeah. unit yeah saber tank has that maneuver <laughs> so yeah it's not um, gonna work for that oh, yeah. Anakin Outs- has that maneuver. yeah outside of uh, a few yeah. of those but, yeah, yeah 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 the the other thing snipers can do for you too is like with standby or with token sharing standby sharing is a it's back baby um but yep. snipers are can be very important to like at least threaten those standby taking units yeah um and when you're positioning your units try to open up as many lanes as possible like your snipers if you have two or yep. three try angles. to op- do a bunch of different angles so that no matter like especially if it's like pretty obvious where padme or anakin or yoda wants to be sitting yep. you want to try to sort of approach that from different angles so that they cannot quite be safe from both angles so that you can always plank that standby off um uh, you know yeah. what the other thing is good that so i played a yoda padme saber tank just don't go within range too it's easier said than done sometimes but yeah, yeah i know i know but i'm just <laughs> I, saying just uh, have I mean, just have luke skirt around it and then kill everything yeah. that's how you, I that's mean, what you do that that's a turn zero thing right don't yeah. let Republic have objectives that they can just sort of sit on a spot and you have to approach them. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing too is like, watch the standbys, right? And think about, so this is what I had to think about. So I was playing Intercept and at one point in the game between my snipers and some Luke shenanigans, I realized I was like, oh, I, I, I have more activations than him. And so I just like bum rushed the middle and was like, you can't kill everything. You only have one standby, <laughs> you know? So like at, at some point you just have to watch that and you have to, you kind of get, cause it, it happened to me, right? You have that initial fear. You're like, oh no, here's the list I've been hearing about. And then you got to just like sit and think and go, okay, well he only has one standby right now. Like if I just bum rush everything in, what, he can only kill one of these things and, and then I'm going to have this. You know, and just like being aware of that, planking on, you know, finding the lanes, like Tim just said, with snipers or something else that can hit Padme and just not, I mean, you don't have to hurt her, just knock the standby off and then move on with your life. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, too, like also assessing what your units, like if you're trying to run into a saber tank standby, I mean, you can try to skirt around its firing arcs. Um, you can sort of, do it with a unit that has the best chance of either surviving or like, okay, I'm, I'm way up on activations. I'm just going to throw a unit away, right? This unit's taken a bunch of damage. It has one or two models left. Try to put it in range. And especially if you can threaten the standby, wherever that might be with that unit. So if it's like, oh, it's a E5S B1 droid. It's got two models left. I'm going to put it in range of the saber tank and it now has range four on Padme. So it's now forced to shoot those two models. Um, and I'm not saying that's always the best option to do, but uh, sort of assessing those, what you can sacrifice to get rid of standby tokens. Because sometimes sacrificing two B1s or oh, a Wookiee model or two is worth it to get rid of a standby. Yeah. Yeah, it's just important to keep in mind that, um, you know, because it's easy to make this like mental error, but he does not have to shoot the unit that triggers the standby yeah. with yeah. the standby token. So this is especially true of like the saber tank, which has range four, right? Like you can have a unit move into range two, maybe even move into a side arc and you're like, I'm good. He can't shoot this unit. I'm in a side arc, you know, but you have some other target at range four in the front art of the saber tank. And he's like, all right, I'm going to spend the standby. I'm going to shoot this other thing that you care about. That's range four away from my saber tank. (laughs) And you're like, oh yeah, you don't have to attack the thing that triggers the standby with the standby. And also with like the Yoda list, like this is something we've talked about this before. I know for sure we have in the past on this podcast, but this is a reminder because there's a couple of people this weekend that didn't know about this Uh, force pushing something triggers standbys. So that's another way that like you think you're safe because maybe maybe you're in melee with Yoda or, or one of his other their other units and then Yoda just force pushes you in front of the tank and then the tank gets to shoot whatever shoot you again or do whatever so just remember that too that there's a lot of other options to get that standby off you know and and also with saber tanks in particular they're big models that can only see from one spot um so especially if there's a decent amount of LOS blocking train, you can often like hide your unit behind a building in like, perspective from the tank, but like you're seeing the like front of its fins or like 
the side of a gun or something and you can shoot it. Um, and it cannot spend that standby because it cannot see you. Yep. So, and especially if you can do that, like while you're in the side arc to get impact one, yep. suddenly you're actually going to maybe start doing damage to the tank. Yep. Like Wookiees in the side arc are one of the biggest uh, fears of saber tanks. <laughs> yep. Fears yeah. And then impact too with the bowcaster. And I yeah. think too, I think you got to look at, I think each game's unique, right? But I think there's a majority of those games where you're kind of going to ignore the Sabre tank. Really? I, yeah. I, I mean, it's the, a good Sabre tank player forces you to deal with it. Yeah. And a good anti-Sabre tank play is to make sure that the Sabre tank doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about fire support real quick. Because uh, that is a thing that can just kind of one-shot units more than probably any other effect in the game. Um, I've been running a lot of Republic recently. It is very satisfying to do like an Anakin saber throw and then fire support it with a Z6. <laughs> just be like, oh yeah, just roll 10 saves. Oh, this has Pierce 3. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Just pick the unit up. Yeah, I don't even know why you're rolling. Um, Yoda can pull something similar with uh, his 2-pip. Uh, and do it with surprising range for two reasons. So this is, we're, clearly we're talking about a countering mm -hmm. GAR section, right? So we should talk about how to actually counter this. The primary way to counter fire support is to just be aware of all the ranges and to stay out of those if you can. Um, Yoda can, you know, pop burst of speed, uses two pip to move, uh, and then relentless to initiate an attack and fire support. So um you know and his he's got surge crit and his attack has blast so potentially you're talking about like a z6 fire supporting with you know an extra four black dice and surge crit with blast um but you also have to be aware that you can use guidance to set up standbys uh so you've got a unit with a face-up order token you know a core unit the yoda player can guidance that unit into range three of his target and then use burst of speed and jump and then hit that target with a range two ranged attack and fire off the standby from like a place you didn't didn't expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So keep that in mind when you're accounting for your standbys against the Yoda player. You know, usually the standby range is like range three from a core unit. As long as I can avoid starting my turn, uh, at least range three away from his core units that he can give face ups to, um, I think I'll be okay. But that's not true with guidance. So yeah. uh, factor it, that into your threat assessment also. I mean, one of the like dirtiest uh theoretical plays anyways yoda two pip throw it on a clone unit of whatever variety is you're liking guidance move it so you can shoot with it and then yoda then moves and waves and then you fire support with the unit that just shot <laughs> right. um, yeah i mean it's, it might not be the optimal play but it's something you can do <laughs> like basically, oh, it's definitely something you can do Clones can bring a, a massive amount of firepower into single areas really quickly. It's sort of the long and short of it. Yep. I would say um, this is going to begin to become a problem is if you're not playing droids, you're going to want to start looking at suppression mitigation too, because especially with Yoda on the board, he can, he can, he could do a bunch of stuff with suppression. And so next thing you know, you got a suppressed unit. So you want to make sure that you're thinking about that again and how to mitigate that, whether it's endurance or strict orders or whatever, whatever have you. I mean, there's a, a few units across multiple factions that are finally sort of seen play again that can drop a fair bit of suppression all at once, which is sort of the key. So like, I, I think everyone has to at least have an idea of what they want to do with suppression um, between Yoda and like theaters Ma master of evil. Like there's just plenty of ways now that you can just have like three or four suppression just dropped on your head immediately. All right. Let's talk about one more, one other weakness of gar that you can exploit. Uh, and that's has to do with sharing, but generally speaking, most garless Republic lists want to be sort of in a ball close to with all the units close to each other. Um, and this is also definitely true of Yoda lists. Um, the only thing potentially that can kind of get around that a little bit is lists that feature barks, which naked barks are super cheap and super useful. So you're probably going to be seeing that more. 
Um, but generally, if you can force a Republic player to split up to care about two separate parts of the table, uh, that's going to help you quite a bit. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about, you know, uh, this is not going to work as well against the wiki list because starting close to a wiki list is not great. Um, but uh, long edge to long, long edge deployments like battle lines, um, you know, if you can get an objective like intercept, uh, where potentially they have to care about, you know, split and care about two separate areas. Um, or if you have secret mission or something like that with R2 uh, and they don't have any barks, you know, then clearly you can try and make them care about some other part of the table that they may not be able to split up to care about. Um, so. The, uh... Yeah, I think that's good from like a, you know, listen, I just played a very strong uh jedi uh jedi like it when things ball up together that's our favorite kind of things and <laughs> any day so with explosions yeah right? yeah and so, oh my god <laughs> Dude, sabine explosions and then sees the initiative on luke so good it's so good just like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna blow this all up and now there's a jedi in your mix oh my god uh but yeah i mean any jedi right vader likes that vader loves it when things ball up together that's that's his favorite thing too and then i would say long as long as we're talking about that um you know uh and kyle i don't know you know in my experience which has been small so far against yoda uh yoda doesn't really like other force users um, where, I mean, it depends on what he's got for dodges and what's going on, but I think there's some opportunity there where he only has five health. So, you know, if you can catch him with like a son of Skywalker, or you can catch him with some, uh, you know, an implacable or something like that, there's an opportunity there for or Dooku or Dooku. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, duel of the fates with Maul. He can't yeah. spend any of those dodges. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not even so much about the attacks directly from force users. It's that Yoda lists tend to be low activations. Yeah. You know, John's list was eight. <laughs> um, and un under normal circumstances, being a low activation force user list is generally bad because you get situations at the end of the turn where a unit can withdraw from you and then you're no longer safe for the space of a couple activations. Uh, since Yoda gets dodges so many different ways, he normally has like four dodges and it's not as big of a deal for him to eat like a shot or two at the end of the turn. But if you have a copy of force push in your list, you can disrupt that timing and make it happen much earlier in the turn such that the activation differential matters. Yeah. So if you can run like a 10 activation list yeah. with a copy of force push in it, which most non-republic lists can, um, you're going to make Yoda have to care about where he is and who he's engaged with a lot more and a lot more often early in the turn, uh, which is going to limit Yoda's options for yep. diving, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in, in another direction, too, this is sort of a tip for Gar Republic Wookiee players, but also a warning against, um, is because of sort of the whole theme of this is token sharing. Um, like, Wookiees have duelist. And it's rarely defensively used on like rebel wookies and rarely used even on guard wookies. But if you have a like force user in your lines and they take a swing at wookies and you have a dodge on Padme or Anakin or Yoda, you can spend that dodge. Suddenly you're taking one less damage, but also you get immune pierce. So now Vader or whatever comes in your line, takes a swing at some wookies, six pierce three, spend a dodge. Now it's five, no pierce roll some saves and you can maybe spend some surges as well and now you're not really taking that much damage um so it's sort of a tip for gar in that that's a thing that i don't see done a ton but also when you are sort of doing your threat analysis against um wookies if you have melee pierce be careful where and when you're spending that melee pierce because if you do it into wookies you might end up just doing not enough Yeah, if I have a Wookiees in melee against the Force user and I'm trying to tarp hit him, I take dodges instead of aims with him. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of usually like uh, on the higher end of a threshold of a Force user's attack pool anyway to be able to potentially kill two Wookiees in one swing. A dodge pretty much negates that completely. And then you have yeah. the possible slot machine of rolling saves on top of that once you spend the dodge. Yeah. And then they're killing like one Wookiee per swing. And that's really bad use of a Force user. Yeah. 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 You guys got any other countering Gar thoughts? 
Yeah, going back to the, like, you're going to out-activate them. You have a solid chance of that, right? And so, like, I think saving your most impactful, I think that's Legion 101 anyways, but, you know, saving your most impactful, and it could be different depending on the list you're playing. You know, maybe your snipers are your most impactful because they have the high velocity, but making sure you're saving your most impactful activations to last so that you're you're dictating the battlefield and they have to work around that. Because even not just what their capability of doing, but your opponent knowing that they're going to go last and having to work around that can push them into mistakes as well or push them into scenarios they don't want to be in, but they have to be in because they know you have a sniper with high velocity coming, right? Like where maybe they were going to be more aggressive and push up, they're now going to hide and, and stay behind this line of sight, which is good because now you could be more aggressive with a couple other units. You know, So I think there's just being smart about your 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 last number of activations over them during a turn. I mean, three high-velocity snipers will give Yoda or Anakin pause about whether they want to charge. Yep. <laughs> For sure. Well, and, it, you know, things like speeders too, basically any list that can backload a lot of threat to the end of the turn. You know, staps, for example, you're talking about a 10, 11, 12 activation list. You're probably going to be able to go with all three staps or two of the three steps after your opponent is done, if you're yeah. playing against a Republic player. Um, same with T-47s, yep. you know, and they can flank, so they can often get around or, or strip those standbys uh, or access units that don't have access to dodge tokens. So, yep. um, and that's, if you have speeders too, that's going to force your opponent to, to kind of ball up even more, um, which you can use to your advantage on the mobile objectives, so. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about is just the threat range of Gar lists tends to be a little bit shorter. They tend to operate at like that kind of range two to three band most efficiently. Um, they don't have a lot of like really good range four shooting. Um, so if you can, you know, do like an Empire or a Droid list that has a lot of range four threat, then you can kind of stay out of that. Yeah. fire support slash force users slash wookie danger zone for as long as possible hopefully and just kind of chip chip away yeah and it, it seems like i think this goes back to kind of what we were talking about last year about that patience thing that i'm working on for myself and that chipping doesn't seem like it's a lot at first but once you do it after a couple rounds and then you realize oh hey i knocked that clone unit or those Wookiees down to, oh, you know, maybe you got one Wookiee or at least got two wounds on. Well, now it's becoming a little less scary the closer they get because now you're, you're just wearing them out so that it's less impactful by the time they actually get to where they want to be. And it doesn't, you don't, I guess what I'm saying is you don't really notice it, but by the time like round three or round four comes, then you realize, you know, how, how much you've chipped them down and that it's now you can make some, some more moves. I mean, if you have a range four gun line, if you can spend a turn or even two at range four of Gar, like Gar is very much quality over quantity. So if you can take out even like a model from a couple squads, it really decreases their efficiency really quickly. Um, so just being able to like run forward, take a range four shot. And then if you can like fade back for a second turn, if you can have two rounds of shooting at range four out against Garless, you're already way up in terms of attrition usually. Yeah. Gentlemen, any other thoughts? Just be cool as a cucumber. Always. That's one of my lessons that I take from Kyle. Got to be cool. Cool as a cucumber. And don't be as cool as the air outside my house yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, not that cool. It's a, I, I, as a, as a follow-up to last week, we were talking about that, right? Like being patient, but not being too patient. And um, I was just being really mindful of that all weekend. And it's really, it's hard, right? Like it's, you really got to like watch the table. Cause there's definitely times when I was way too patient and I was like, ah, I should have acted last act, you know, last turn, that would have been more of a smart move, but you know, these are the things we learn. And um you don't really, uh, I guess you don't really learn them until you're out there doing them, you know, and then, and so, uh, yeah, 
So anyways, I'm trying to be more like Kyle is what I'm trying to say. Remember those old be be like Mike commercials for Michael Jordan? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to be be like Kyle. I don't have perfect timing either. No, um, I don't remember those. <laughs> oh, right. No, you uh, yeah, you're young. You're, no, right. you what? You what? No. <laughs> that's not that's not funny, Tim. That's hurtful. Yeah. I actually side story. I saw a picture of uh, Michael Jordan and Rodman talking at the All Star Game, and I was like, oh, like I got, like, oh my god, do you remember? <laughs> oh yeah, I grew up in Chicago. I remember. Yeah. Well, that was the, the thing. Beats. I'm in New York, but it was just cool to love the the Bulls back then, right? Like that was you, you get yeah. your Bulls starter jacket. You got you know that's who that's just who you liked was the they were the cool team to like. Yep. Yeah. And I had the, I had the fortune of living in the city when they were the cool team to like. So yeah, I have so wow. much bull stuff from my adolescent years that <laughs> doesn't fit me anymore, <laughs> but I'm like, I can't get rid of this. No, no, no. Plus it was a golden years, my friend. Yep. Oh, Tim, you'll never know about the golden years. Well, I mean, go sports ball. <laughs> we, we got our ice sports. Yeah. There you go. Gold sports. We, we have a basketball team yeah. and we, we have one. Yep. <laughs> there you go. How about that? That curling tie, huh? Did you see that curling where they were both really close to the, to the, whatever the dot or the middle or whatever it's called. So, so total tangent. One of the funniest things that happened at LVO was the final night. It was me and like 10 other guys sitting around for supper behind me. They're playing 2018 Olympic curling reruns and all these Americans are super into it. And I turn around and go, what is on TV? And it's curling. So I give a like 15 minute uh, curling seminar on what is going on. Because <laughs> they're like, you know, this is so interesting to watch, but we have no idea what's going on. So I told them. <laughs> Good for you. See, you, you have your sports, I guess we'll call them. You, you have them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just involved brooms and ice. It's, yeah. it's all I'll good. Take, I'll take my uh, weather. Thank you. It was 67 <laughs> degrees here today. Right. The, the nice. extreme cold warning on my phone has not come off in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like minus 20 or something? Uh, well, it's currently it was minus 25 degrees Celsius today, which is cold oh enough that it, it doesn't really matter whether it's Fahrenheit or Celsius anymore because they converge around minus <laughs> yeah, it's, 30. It's now the same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's cur- currently minus 25 Celsius. It's supposed to go down to minus 30 tonight. <laughs> no, thanks. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, I think we should sign off before we ramble about the weather for too long. Yeah. This is what people love the most about the podcast. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, I did yard work in a t-shirt today. It's great. Oh, look at you. I'm driving through tunnels of snow. <laughs> <laughs> it was 50 right. here. I sat outside. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, well, we are the notorious scoundrels, Kyle. I am Jay. <laughs>